You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Terry's Breakdown, episode 122, is ready to go. It's something new. And it's the early signing period in college football. And the Gators and Dan Mullen, hey, they impressed with the very first early signing period in college football. I'm your host here on Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And we finally got the triumvirate back together Co-host Bill Sykes, you can find Bill on Twitter at Real B Sykes. And Will Miles, you can find Will on Twitter at Will Miles SDC. Guys, it was fun. It was an exciting day. Uh, very first national or early national signing period. Uh, we got two more days of it, but Florida looks to be done. Bill, you had a inter- interesting day being up there in the North Georgia area. You got to go, go up close and personal with the announcements of trading and quarterback um, Emory Jones. Yes, I did. It was uh, at the uh, new venue. It's called Sports and Social. I think down by the new Brave Stadium. They had a just a first class event today for a lot of uh, recruits to announce their intentions to sign with different schools and to kind of have a you know national letter of intent signing ceremony for others. And uh, man, it was awesome to watch those guys commit today. I got to meet them, talk to their families, dig in, find out a little info. It was a good time to be had. We had a lot of uh, uh, Gators come out. Some guys from, that knows from the show that listen and. Uh, Gosh, let me. I guess we'll get to their names later on. We'll do some shout outs later in the show, but we, we just had a really great time. Sounds good. Yeah, a, a conglomerate of Gators up in North Georgia, and uh, we'll get Bill's thoughts uh, even more uh, of being up there, uh, up close and personal uh, with those two commits or two signees now uh, for the Gators. And now, Will Miles, you know, it's been a little while since uh, Will's joined us, a couple weeks. Will, you've been putting together some things behind the scenes, and uh, you announced it earlier today on Twitter, but uh, for the Gators Breakdown fans out there, uh, something new, uh, and it's going to be pretty cool uh, for Gators Breakdown fans and hopefully new fans of what you got going on. Yeah, thanks, Dave. So I've started a website. It's called readandreaction.com. Um, the tagline is curiosity applied to college football. So it's going to use stats, but it's also going to use film study, interviews, and the eye test sort of develop an entire picture of what's going on with the program. And, you know, lots of times you have to compromise critical analysis for access to be first, and we're not going to do that on the website. And, uh, you know, so you guys have really promoted my stuff, and everybody out there has read everything I've written and given me confidence to launch out on my own. I really can't thank you enough. But one way you can help is by subscribing. So, you know, I'm not going to bother you with a bunch of spam emails, but what I will do is I'm going to pick one person who subscribes by this Sunday to receive a $50 gift certificate to Gator Sports Shop. So subscribe if you read. Help me out as, as best you can. And we, I just really appreciate everybody and their support. And, and you guys helping me branch out on this new venture. And, uh, and I look forward to what, what this offseason and, and next season brings. Uh, well, one more time, the website, give it to them. It's www.readandreaction.com. Readandreaction.com. And, hey, look, we know you can find Gators Breakdown on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube, Google Play, but also there. So check us out there. Uh, we will partnering up with us. You know, a few months ago on Gators Breakdown, uh, you know, we're going to go, go go full circle. So you'll be able to find Gators Breakdown there as well. But, you know, search on the, the sites on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play. Get the links by following Gators Breakdown on Twitter and on Facebook at Gators Breakdown. Hey, look, when you're on those sites, rate and review the show. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting uh, with Gators Breakdown. So, guys, we'll go ahead and we'll break it down. This signing signing period, something new. I uh, can't stress it enough. And, you know, Dan Mullen actually said he liked it. 
uh, I was listening to him in, in post interviews, says he likes the early signing period and he probably will like it even more when he's not trying to still put a staff together and, um, you know, go, go and, and following a recruiting class from a different staff. But, uh, you know, we'll kind of see how it goes along for him. But 13 early signees, eight early enrollees, also two more commits who may or may not stick with the Gators. They have not made uh, their decisions yet in offensive lineman Richard Garage and wide receiver Corey Gamage. So that is good for 14th on the 24-7 composite and fourth in the SEC with room to grow. Uh, eight four-stars, seven three-stars, garnered uh, five top 250 players with Emory Jones, Kyle Pitts, Amari Bernie, Damian Pierce, and Trey Dean. Uh, as far as transitions class, transition classes go, Gators are only behind Oregon, which come in uh, one spot ahead of Florida with a 13th-ranked class. But the caveat about them is, though, you know, that's not really a brand-new staff uh, like Florida's is. You know, we, we know what's going on there with Mario Cristobal and uh, Willie Taggart left. But that class or that staff is still kind of put together uh, and keeping, keeping the pieces there. So, you know, Florida's really the new staff that has the highest-ranked transition class, uh, if, you, um, if you look at it that way. So Florida ranks ahead of Texas A&M, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Florida State with these transition classes. FSU coming in right now, uh, last I looked, 64th-ranked class on the first day of early signing period. Um, and kind of breaking it down just a little bit more, Florida has the 12th-ranked class as far as average player ranking goes. So, guys, we started the day. Uh, Florida was around 31st, I believe, when the, when the day started. We heard the rumors. We woke up to the rumors or also late-night rumors last night that Emory Jones may be looking around at FSU. FSU started feeling confident, but when it's all said and done, he inks with the Gators. But with the early signing period, Dan Mullen having to three and a half weeks to get this thing together. I say he passed with flying color so far. Man, what a difference a coach makes. I mean, you know, we talked, uh, I think it was last week, about transition classes of the past, uh, you know, in the modern history of the recruiting rankings. And, you know, 2002, 2005, 2011, and 2015 are the prior ones we've dealt with. And we've seen national rankings of 10th, 12th, 11th, and then it dipped down to 21st under McIlwain. And so to be sitting basically what's like halfway through the, the chunk recruiting period, you know, what we've got, you know, over half the class – uh, on board, like you said, there's room to grow. Sitting at 14th, it's in striking distance to at least be up there where Zook and where uh, Muschamp and where Meyer were when they came in. Uh, and I, I think they may even creep into the top 10 if they catch some big breaks. Um, it's certainly not the dumpster fire that we saw in 2015. You know, that year they only had three um, four-star commits. I think they had uh, two five-stars. So you had a total of five blue chips. Well, Mullins already got. Uh, eight four-stars uh, on board. Now, that does include Richard Garage. He's not signed yet, but he is still committed, and I think they've got a great chance to sign him. So they've you know, really almost doubled already the blue-chip prospects they had in the last transition class. So while there's work to be done with this program, while you know, there's a big mountain to climb to get where they want to be, it, it certainly looks like Dan Mullen has, has taken the reins of this recruiting effort of this program, and he's got it going in the right direction. Not the – least of which example wise is, is uh, Emory Jones, who we'll be talking about here in a few minutes. Yeah. You know, I, I try not to get too high or too low with these things. And, you know, these are just freshmen. It's rare for true freshmen to come in and make or break a program. You know, Jake Fromm comes into Georgia, but he's, he's sort of had to be managed, especially earlier in the year. But that being said, this is pretty big for Mullen. I mean, he came in and showed an immediate urgency, filled out his staff. He clearly had a plan. And now he can sell the vision in February for the for the second national signing day with a win in December. I mean, he, he already has a win on his ledger that other people, you know, up in Tallahassee don't have. And that's just really a big deal for Mullen. And, you know, you come into a new organization and you have to build trust and do what you say you're going to do and then deliver short term with a long term outlook. And really, that's what Mullen has done done here is he's gotten to the point where he delivered short term so nobody can you know nobody can can negatively recruit against him at this point I mean he did what he said he was going to do and February is going to be even bigger if he can carry that forward yeah Bill and you mentioned it started with quarterback Amber Jones like was mentioned you were there I uh, got to see it up close and personal um, he, he is the, the star of the class so far and for a multitude of reasons the highest ranked guy uh, that they have on the board right now or the highest guy they have signed right now he is the quarterback. He's the quarterback that, hey, look, Jim McElwain, 
you know, chased it, not getting a quarterback in his first class uh, as coach at Florida. Dan Mullen was not going to let that happen. This was a highly coveted quarterback that was current, who was previously committed to Ohio State. He had Alabama after him, Auburn after him, um, FSU after him late. Um, this was, uh, a, you know, if you look at, you can look at as many angles and say how big of a recruit this was for Dan Mullen for a multitude of reasons, reasons we just named. And, hey, look, it sends shockwaves uh, through the nation as well because this is a quarterback that after last week Matt Corral decommitted and there was some worry. Uh, so, well, was Dan Mullen, does he, does he know what he's doing? Does he know what he's getting himself into? He can't go without a quarterback. We've seen this story before. He had a plan. He went hard after a guy he offered in back in the ninth grade when he was at Mississippi State off, was the first one to offer him. They stayed after him, uh, especially when he got to Florida, checked back in with him. Uh, a lot of people didn't think he would stick with Ohio State uh, come this past fall. Uh, but, Bill, you were there up close and personal. You got to talk to his family. You got to talk to him. You know, how big of a get is this for the Gators? And, like, how happy, how elated were, were they to kind of finally come out? It was a stressful situation. We saw the tweets that he was uh, talking about last night, how stressed he was that, you know, he finally chose Florida. So, you know, just being around it, uh, how was it and just how good of a pickup was, was this for Florida? Uh, this is a Godzilla-sized pickup for Dan Mullen. Guys, listen to me. Going back all the way to Tim Tebow, since Tim Tebow left this program, the struggles have started with quarterback. The Gator football program has not been able to – every single year they've either had a problem keeping a quarterback, whether it was Cam Newton getting in trouble or Will Greer getting in trouble, or if they were recruiting a quarterback and couldn't get Eason or couldn't get Lamar Jackson or DeAndre Francois, or they couldn't coach a quarterback. You know, and, and you could apply that to a number of these guys like Jeff Driscoll, and you could even make that case for Felipe Franks or whoever. You know, whatever's going on, they couldn't keep them, they couldn't recruit them, and they couldn't coach them. Well, now suddenly Dan Mullen comes in and he says, okay, we got, I got my track record, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to be the office coordinator and I'm going to sell this pitch. And I, I've, I've coached Leak, I've coached Tebow, I've coached Newton, I've coached Dak Prescott, all these guys. Then he goes out and gets a highly regarded young up-and-coming quarterback coach and six him on Emory Jones, and he goes out and gets his guy. So you got the, the head coach, you got the quarterback coach, you got the system, you got the track record, now you got the quarterback. This is the highest rated re recruiting, or excuse me, highest rated quarterback recruit uh, since Jeff Driscoll in 2011. And, the, and not counting Driscoll, he's the highest all the way back to uh, 2007 when, that, when they signed Cam Newton and they signed John Brantley in one year. And I know people like look at the range sometimes and they, poo-poo on Jeff Driscoll. Well, the guy, I believe, is still on the NFL roster. And, and again, couldn't coach him up. You know, so second highest guy of the decade is coming in here. He looks tailor-made to Dan Mullen's system. I mean, listen, this is a guy they went out. And three weeks and three days after getting the job, and I'll get into this whole Matt Corral thing in a minute, upgrades to a guy that's higher rated, better fit for his system, and signs a guy that he takes away from not only Willie Taggart, but Nick Saban and Urban Meyer. So the days of yesteryear, in, like in 2015, 16, and 17, when they couldn't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with big programs, they were taking guys that they could, were fighting Kentucky for and all this stuff, no. He went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the biggest coaches on, on the biggest stage and got his guy. It doesn't get any bigger for, for this. Now, maybe he pans out, maybe he doesn't, but this is going to be a shockwave signing. It sends a message to recruits. It sends a message to other programs, and Dan Mullen, just took Gator football as far as quarterback recruiting. He took it from I tried to I did. Uh, and I think it's a big deal when you talk about competing against the big boys nationally because Georgia is showing no signs of stopping and Alabama is showing no signs of stopping. And those guys are in the playoff. And quite honestly, that's where Florida wants to be. And so, you know, I'm glad to see that Mullen's aggressive. I'm mad to see that he's letting Florida State sit outside of Jones's door <laughs> while he's eating dinner. At least that's the rumor I saw. So, you know, I, I think really the energy and the urgency that he's brought to this is just something that's that's going to energize the fan base behind him and energize, quite honestly, I think some of the recruits he's reaching out to at this point. And it's thinking, talking about, I mean, I don't think we can stress enough, Ben Bill, you mentioned it too, of, of the message that this sends, not only to other coaches, um, but, you know, you had a, like I said, we woke up this morning with all the, the, the rumors that, Okay, he may be seriously thinking about FSU right now. Uh, Emory Jones did come out and say that he chose that he made his decision last night. He made he, and he let the coaches know uh, last night. 
but we woke up this morning with a lot of FSU smoke. Uh, and a lot of people were uh, wondering, you know, how can Willie Taggart do this? Florida can sell him on playing time. Florida can sell him on uh, a quarterback depth chart. Florida can sell him. He can come right in and compete right away and, and be the quarterback. And, oh, you know, Dan Mullen can't lose uh, a quarterback to Willie Taggart. Well, he didn't. And it's uh, now FSU's scrambling. They lost a, a, a Phoenix, a, another quarterback who ended up, they were pressing for him. He went to Indiana. So FSU's kind of scrambling mode. But this that's why this is another good pickup. You you kept it from a rival. You kept it from other SEC schools. And he's the quarterback that is uh, an ideal fit for what you want to do on offense. Now, we'll see if he can come in day one and – you know, I'm not a big believer in true freshmen coming in. Uh, yes, we saw it with Jake Fromm, uh, as Will said. Uh, but, you know, that was a really perfect scenario. We had running back depth, had a great defense to lean on. You know, Florida's not in that uh, – they don't have that to play with right now. Uh, I don't – you know, I don't want to put on a true freshman to be the savior uh, of, of, of a program. But, you know, year one, you know, you can sell, hey, look, let's build this thing together. You can come in. Uh, you can get snap one, game one. We'll we'll let you take your lumps. We'll let you learn on the fly. Uh, and Dan Mullen can cater to him just a little bit. So there are a lot of things to sell Emory Jones and why he ended up uh, at Florida. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people that were worried about losing Jones to Florida State had good reason. You cannot have the track record Mullen has. You can't have the, the head start. Uh, being his first offer ever, he was the first guy to offer Emory Jones to have an up-and-coming quarterback coach, to, to have a, half a staff at least to recruit this kid. When, when Taggart walks, walks in, he's got none of that stuff going on. You cannot lose to that guy in that situation. I mean, because what does that say about the balance of recruiting power in the state of Florida? But like we like, like I didn't say on Gators Breakdown, if frogs had shotguns, there'd be no snakes. Well, you know what? He didn't lose. Mullen instead went out and won this battle. He got his guy. And, you know, I was talking to poster uh, EH from uh, both Scout and the Gator Bait Boards. Um, his name's Ed. And we were talking today about this. And, hey, I'm so thankful that, that Taggart and the media guys that kind of blew this up and dramatized this because now you just amped up the drama tenfold and you magnified the victory that Mullen just scored for his program. And it's not just about hurting Taggart. But now it catches the attention of a few more recruits, a few more assistant coach candidates, you know, a few more boosters. And suddenly you just energize Florida's momentum surge that much more. And Florida needs that now in the worst way. And I don't think it's just necessarily Jones. I mean, you look at Dean, you look at Amari Bernie, and those guys committing. I mean, you look where Florida really struggled last year on defense with tackling in the hole with some of the safeties coming down. I mean, part of that is just Chauncey Gardner's five foot eleven, and you look at Bernie, he's six one two fifteen. You look at Dean, he's six foot two one eighty. So oh, no, not no, no. Only he's at, he's at least six three, probably six four. <laughs> so if, you know, you Bill's, look got, at, Bill's got the picture to prove it. Yeah, <laughs> but you, know, you look at those guys, and he's bringing in physical specimens, but he's also bringing in people that fit. I mean, because if you look at the weights there, one of them really fits some of the profile of a free safety. One of them fits the profile of a strong safety, and they're both four-star guys who are going to be back there for an extended period of time. So, um, not only is he bringing in talent at places of need, but I think he's fit. You know, not only is he bringing in talent, but he's also bringing in the talent in places of need and play and, you know, sort of sewed up some of those areas that were weaknesses during the year and now can go out and really just sort of fill out the board. Absolutely. Uh, and before we move on uh, from Emory Jones, since, since Bill was there, uh, we'll kind of then we'll dive into some other players here. Bill, you got to talk to Emory Jones and his family. What did they share of why they why he chose Florida? Why it was such a why it was such a good fit for him? Well, and before I tell you what he said, what his parents said, I just want to let you know that his grandma told me, and I quote, y'all better take care of my baby. You hear so, that, Gator Nation? You hear that, Gator Nation? <laughs> we got we to take care of Emory. She was awesome, but she was dead serious. So I'm just telling you now. <laughs> but, yeah, and um, they were a really nice family, and I got a chance to talk to his dad for a little bit. And uh, the thing that struck me, as much as people made this a um, – you know, a last minute battle between Florida and Florida State. His dad told me, he said, you know, he said, the moment he put on that Gator uniform, he says, I told him, well, that's it. And he said, I just knew. And, you know, and I, I got the distinct feeling um, 
that this family, when Mullen got hired to this job, I think in their eyes, they, they literally saw this as a divine providence. They said that uh, when he announced, he said, look, I felt like this was God's will because it, remember, this was the guy that offered him first. They built this relationship and, and no offense to Mississippi State and, and to Dan Mullen at that time, but it's different when that guy offers you first from Mississippi State and you know you're an elite talent and when he's at Florida, that's a whole different ball game. And so there were some other factors they mentioned uh, that they felt weighed in. Uh, they didn't like uh, Ohio State um, offering uh, Matthew Baldwin uh, because they want they feel like he's capable of playing early, or Emory Jones is capable of playing early, and and they wanted every opportunity they could. And so it definitely that that helped Florida's case that much more. Uh, but you got to think about it; it's closer to home for them. They they've been familiar with Dan Mullen, had a good relationship with him. And they looked at his track record, and um, you know, ultimately though, Emory Jones. When I asked him personally, I said, "Look, man," I said, "Give it to me straight." I said, "What was the real difference?" And he said two things. He said, "Number one," and he was being really, I could tell, just very genuine about this. And he says, "He goes first of all." He said, "It was the people, the people of Florida, and the way they cared for me. It was just different, and I can tell." And then, without hesitation, the next thing he said, he says, "And I know Dan Mullen can develop me." So I, I feel what that tells me is they went after him hard. They, they relied on their relationships with him. There's a trust factor and a comfort there. There's an opportunity for him to play early. And then they believe Dan Mullen is the guy that can take a quarterback like Emory Jones and make him wildly successful. And I believe he can too. Bill, I, got, I, I have one request on the YouTube chat. And, okay. And you're going to love this one. Okay. But, you, but you're going to have to remember it first. You got to okay. tell you. You got to tell your FSU joke. Of Which what, one? The one. Uh, what? There wasn't so many of them there. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tweeted earlier because you know it was like almost all like Georgia fans there for the most part. Well, we had our little you know Thermopylae Pass three hundred uh, group of Gators in there. <laughs> you know we were we were determined, man, right in the middle of the room. Uh, but I tweeted earlier. I said I didn't see any uh, Florida State fans in the room, but I put out some crab legs as bait to be sure we could see if we could draw them out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, sure enough, right after Jones committed, uh, I did see one, and he looked like a sad clown, man. And we had this awkward eye contact moment, and I felt like he wanted to say, "Like, help me," and I just didn't say anything. I just, you know, stone cold, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those are the players that did sign early for the Gators, offensive lineman. And I don't know this. I don't know how to say this guy's last name. Chris is it Blake Bleach? Um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know or not. Uh, so uh, I'm going to just kind of roll with it there. He is an early enrollee. Safety Amari Bernie also early enrollee. Running back Iverson Clement early enrollee as well. Offensive lineman Noah Banks early enrollee. Quarterback Emory Jones early enrollee. Safety Trey Dean, he's an early enrollee as well. My favorite commit of the class, uh, running back Damian Pierce, he's an early enrollee as well. And you had safety John Huggins, kicker Evan McPherson, safety Randy Russell, uh, or cornerback, or wherever they're lining up, he's an early enrollee as well. Tight end Kyle Pitts, tight end Dante Lang, and linebacker David Reese. Uh, so like I said, eight of those guys are going to be early enrollees. Um the Gators, they got better in, in some places, uh, in, in some positions. Uh, Will, was there any certain players that, that caught your eye or, you know, just the, the way they fit into a Dan Mullen offense? <laughs> well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, certainly I think Pierce is probably the guy that, that I'm looking at the most. You look at his high school film and it just looks unbelievable. It looks like a man amongst boys. It really does. And um, I've been a little bit surprised that he hasn't gotten his fifth star, though that may be coming sometime soon. But, uh, you know, he just has looked really impressive when you looked at it on film. I got to go back and look at some of his high school stats, but those have just been eye-popping. I mean, games where he's gone out and gotten 250, 275 um, and just put up unbelievable numbers. Um, so he's really the guy that I'd look at on the offense that, um, you know, can really, really be sort of a and, – and, and Clement as well. They're just different players. They have different, you know, different heights, different weights. I think they're going to bring – two different things into the backfield and just athletes that Mullen can use in his offense. Hey, Bill, and before you jump in here, uh, I, I do have Damian Pearson's stats here, Will, uh, for his senior season, rushed for 2,123 yards on 227 carries. That's 9.4 yards a carry and 193 yards per game while scoring 32 rushing touchdowns. Also caught four passes for 124 yards and a touchdown. 
uh, led his team to an eight and four record uh, this year. On October twentieth, this is all this all comes from FloridaGators.com. On October twentieth, past Herschel Walker on Georgia Georgia High School Athletic Association's all time rushing list, finished his career. Um, you know, do, doing that so pretty pretty big. Uh, you know stature there when you pass Herschel Walker uh, for yards uh, in the state of Georgia, but 9.4 yards a carry and 193 yards per game uh, in the state of Georgia is nothing to, nothing to shake your stick at, Bill. No, it's not. And, you know, the, the thing I, I keep thinking about this, you know, Mullen's offense, and when, when, they, when they came into Florida the first time under, under Urban Meyer, um, all they really had at running back was – I think maybe Keystone Moore and oh, they did have Deshaun Wynn. Deshaun he, Wynn he was yeah. he was a good running back, uh, but they right. certainly didn't have game breakers. And I don't I don't know if Florida does truly have like we'll see what Malik Davis how he comes back from injury and if he can make that next step as to not just be a freshman phenom but to be a nationwide phenom. But if Malik Davis does take that next step and if he comes back to form and he really is what we think he could be, and they continue to get explosive production you know, or maybe start to get more explosive production out of lemons. And if Scarlet was to return, well, you, you might have a whole stable of really good running backs. And now you're adding Pearson Clement. And it really makes me wonder, like, what is a Mullen offense going to look like if you've got a dynamic quarterback that can hurt you with his feet and hurt you with his arm, and you've got these guys that can hurt you on the ground out of the running back position – that might be a handful for opposing offenses, and it might be something we never really got to see a whole lot, even under Urban Meyer. Uh, and I think it's because – not that he can't utilize them. I just think some running backs don't want to compete for carries with a quarterback. Uh, but now you've got a situation where you might be very good on the ground from both positions. And I, I'm very excited to see what a guy like Pierce can do who's downhill. He's a guy that keeps moving forward. He's a guy that can beat you with power. He's a guy that can you know, makes the right kind of moves to be. You know, he's not a jitterbug, but he's elusive enough. And you know, then you you can sub in with Clement, and, and and that guy is a guy that can hurt you with lateral quickness. I really like what they've done at the running back position, and I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what Mullen can do with it. And Mullen's offense is all about numbers. So if you've got the numbers advantage up front, you run the ball. And if you've got the numbers advantage out back, then you throw the ball. And so having these running backs back there in a stable and being able to rotate them in and keep them fresh, it allows those windows on the backside to get larger for a quarterback who, you know, as a true freshman, probably isn't going to be as accurate as he will as a senior. So um, I think having those guys in the backfield is really going to open things up for Jones if he comes in as his, and is the starter day one, just because he's going to have larger windows to throw to because of the way they'll open it up. Yeah, and also like what Mullen said in his press conference today, he likes to have guys that can go out wide, move back into the backfield. Wait, we saw they do that with Percy Harvin, of course, but he likes to he likes guys that can go out wide, shift into the backfield, motion into the backfield, find different ways to to get them the ball. So yeah, I think Clement fits that mold. Or Canarius Tony currently on the roster fits that mold. But another position where I'm really excited to see, and I didn't I didn't really put it together today. And he kind of seems to be forgotten because it was kind of one year where he really blew up on the scene under Dan Mullen at Florida in his previous stands offensive coordinator, but Cornelius Ingram at tight end and Florida signs Pitts and Lane today. I would, I really want to see if, you know, one of those guys can, you know, can be, uh, Cornelius Ingram was a great athlete. Uh, he was probably, uh, I hate that he got injured uh, the, the way he did. And, you know, I thought he would have some more success in the NFL. But, you know, he just never could bounce back from that injury the way he did. But the way Dan Mullen used him in 2007, uh, I believe it was, you know, in using uh, the way he used him and how much he used him, I tell you what, I'm ready to see what he can do uh, w with another big uh, pass-catching tight end. Yeah, the two words that stood out to me in the press conference that you know he really kind of opened up with this was athleticism and flexibility. And you look at both sides of the ball, kind of like what you're talking about, is I think Mullen wants these tweeners. He wants those guys that can move around, they can hurt you from multiple positions. One of the guys are recruiting, Tommy Bush, is a wide receiver out of Texas, 6'5", 191. Maybe he can become that Cornelius Ingram type that, you know, can you cover this guy with a, with a DB? Can you tackle, you know – or, can, or excuse me, can you tackle the guy with a DB? Can you cover him with a linebacker? Create those matchup problems. And you're going to see that on defense as well. I mean, we talked about some of the uh, the DBs they brought in. Well, Mari Burney and, and Huggins are guys that have been 
mentioned is guys that could gain a little bit of weight. And suddenly they're guys that might come off the edge and they could help you in different phases of the game. And so I think they're going to try to move pieces around. Like Will said, create numbers games, create matchup problems. And I think, that especially on offense, I think they're going to want to simplify the reads for, for – um, for Emory Jones, as, especially as a youngster, he's, you know, I think the good days are gone of being asked to make these very difficult reads on both sides of the field and complex route tree for now. I, I think they're, you know, maybe see one, two reads and if it's not there, go. Hopefully we'll see some RPO and some, some things where they can do a hot call to the running backs of the line, even if he's not making the call, you know, early on. Uh, I think it's going to be really good to watch this athleticism and multiplicity on both sides of the ball. Well, it's an interesting point because that's where the game in the NFL has been going. I mean, certainly we saw that with the Patriots, with Hernandez and Gronkowski and 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 New England sort of been looking for that second tight end. And you do wonder whether that might be something that now, Mullen, you know, Mullen has had to work with a deck stacked against him at Mississippi State, where he's had three-star athletes going against five-star athletes from Alabama. And now all of a sudden he's going to have a deck that's stacked pretty much the same way, especially if he continues recruiting like this. And so... You know, again, those rangy athletes and really all sports are moving that direction. I mean, the Celtics are doing the same thing in the NBA. So, um, you know, he's going to it looks like he may have his pick of, of guys that he wants. And if he if he has that ability, then he can sort of design his scheme around that flexibility. And that's a really exciting thing. Absolutely. In two positions where Florida had to get some help. Kicker, of course, Eddie Pinedo leaving. So Evan McPherson comes in uh, when the nation's top kicker. So we'll, he'll probably get. Probably get a chance to slide right in uh, and take over for uh, Pinedo. Uh, but also, offensive linemen, they added JUCOs there. We'll see how those guys come in and, and adjust to big-time college football. Mullen had great success with that at Mississippi State. Can he rekindle that? And, and like, it was a position of need. They added depth there. But, Bill, and, and you've mentioned this, they still need a lot more help on the offensive line, even with the two JUCOs. They do. I, and, look, it for is you guys, I'm sure, can excel. I'm, uh, I tell, but I'm oozing excitement right now. Um, they've gotten so much better quarterback today. They got better running back today. Got better tight end today. And I think they got a lot of help in the secondary and a kicker. Um, but the offensive tackles, the JUCOs, you kind of never know what you're going to get as far as what their ceiling is. I think both these guys, the hope is that they'll come in and, and be part of the two deep, and they might even compete for for starter snaps. Because let's face it, the offensive line is still very much. Uh, it's been a revolving door and it's a work in progress. Um, but And so what they really need there is they need some of the kids like William Barnes and Richard Garage to jump on board some of this blue chip offensive lineman to solidify that. And if they do, if they can go out and get like a wide receiver, maybe get a Jacob Copeland back on board or, um, uh, or the other kid I was talking about, Tommy Bush, then wide receiver and offensive line, that whole offensive side of the ball is going to look great. They do need help in the front seven on defense and, and maybe still even a little bit on the secondary. Um, but the story of the second half offensive line, get a big time wide receiver and they got to get some help up front on defense. And one of the areas that was a position of need that's been a little bit overlooked, I think, because there wasn't any drama about it, is David Reese at linebacker. I mean, if you remember all year, Florida's defense was limited in terms of what they could do because they didn't have linebackers who could cover and who could stand in against the run. And they just got they got exploited, especially against teams like Tennessee and Kentucky with running backs and tight ends who were getting isolated on linebackers. And if Reese can step in and can, and can solidify that, you know, you slide him in in the Christian Garcia spot and all of a sudden your depth has not only gotten better, but so has your athleticism at that position. Switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4, obviously linebackers are at a premium, and I know certainly some of the defensive ends are probably going to slide out and be more of a stand-up linebacker in that role. But to be honest, having you know David Reese, who's already at Florida, is is a pretty rangy player. I mean, he showed some he showed some real skills this year, I think. And then um, you know this recruit David Reese, I think, is a big deal for Florida moving forward. Yeah, and talking about the the, the Duke offensive lineman Noah Banks. Uh, look, he had offers from uh, Arkansas, Texas, Auburn, uh, Florida Atlantic, Iowa State. I believe he was named a All-American in the JUCO ranks. Uh, so Florida got a good one there. Uh, played in 10 games uh, this year for Iowa Western College. Helped his offense average 515.4 yards per game. Uh, they averaged 240 passing yards, 275 rushing yards. So it uh, looks like uh, they ran the ball a good bit. So uh, could fit right into Dan Mullen's system there. And Chris Blake. Blake, I don't know how you say his last name. I'll keep saying that. 
Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out one day. Uh, I was hoping Florida would release you with a pronunciation guide with a guy's name, but they, they didn't help me out. There. They haven't figured it out either. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> but anyway, I've got to mention the size. Noah Banks, 6'7", 305. Uh, Blake, 6'6", 313. Uh, and they said he chose Florida over UCLA, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Maryland, and Nebraska. Uh, so some big-time programs there. Uh, but, yeah, it's just th- we've mentioned how tough they need to get up front. They, they're bringing some size in with these guys, definitely the, the size you want uh, in a Dan Mullen run-heavy style offense. Uh, and we'll kind of see Brad Davis is now gone, but they got Hevesy in there and your strength coach. So, you know, maybe these guys got better uh, strength coaching the last two years at JUCO than – the current offensive lineman did at Florida. That's probably not a far stretch. So uh, they could probably uh, slide right in and, and provide some some depth there along the offensive line. But, hey, look, as Bill mentioned, this was only the first step. There's the next step. we got still got February signing day uh, coming up. There's still some more targets out there uh, that Florida will go after. Anthony Schwartz still will be uh, on there. We talk about offensive lineman William Bards. Uh, Garage is currently committed. We'll see if Florida can keep him. Uh, five-star Petit Freire. Can Florida keep, get him in the fall? Offensive line, they can really, really improve the offensive line if they can get two or three, uh, two, or, two or three of those guys somehow pull all three. That would be a, a big coup. I mentioned Jacob Copeland, Tommy Bush, that wide receiver. Uh, but look, we can't. Uh, here, here's the name we can't forget. And you guys haven't been able to talk talk about this yet. But hey, Van Jefferson. Um, in a way, you could call it in a way, say, a Juco. He's got two years left. He, he fits that two-year mold that his Juco's have left. But, hey, this was a big pickup earlier in the week and kind of set the tone for what this uh, signing day may come when Van Jefferson transferred from Ole Miss to Florida. Yeah, but I, yeah I, th- I mean, I think any it really did set the tone. I think he's been more productive than any of Florida's receivers over the past few years. Now, some of that is that they had Shea Patterson throwing them the ball, not uh, not Felipe Franks. But at the same time, you know, he's been a very productive receiver. He was a four-star coming out, a top 150 recruit, and those are the kinds of players that Florida needs on the outside. Um, I want to go back to something you said about the two offensive linemen, um, Banks and Blythe. You know, they're both rated three stars, but they're also rated three stars as offensive tackles. And so a lot of times offensive tackles can slide into the guard and you'd be rated a three star because you're not necessarily athletic enough to be a tackle or a high level NFL tackle, but you can slide into guard. So if these were three star guards, I'd be a little bit more concerned. The fact that they're three star tackles, I think means that they can definitely add some, add some uh, depth and considering all the struggles that Florida had at, at the guard position last year, I think can probably compete pretty early on. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and quite frankly, like, okay, look, one thing that drives me nuts is when people constantly say when things aren't going right, they say, well, just trust the process, trust the coaches. Well, I don't do that unless you give me a reason to trust the process. <laughs> you know, but I think it's ridiculous, you know, like blind faith of coach. But Dan Mullen is a guy that has a little credibility in my eyes as far as his evaluations. And he's a guy that, you know, he has been, like you said, behind the eight ball talent-wise and resource-wise his whole career at Mississippi State. And so this is a guy that I think knows how to, you know, he's going to be finding talent that can work in his system, and he knows how to deal with these situations. The difference is can he make it over the hump and and be that elite guy? And we've kind of gone over that already. But I think there's reason to say, well, look, he's jettisoning these guys from the class and going out and getting these other guys. He's a proven head coach. He's a proven evaluator. I'm going to trust that this year. This year. And so when we see, you know, some of these lower rated guys, I think let's see what he's got, because I think it's going to probably work out with more good than bad. And I think what you can look at with that, Bill, is he's identifying the problems what Florida has right now. And that's where he's he's trusting himself to, to do what he's done in the past and find a solution to a problem. Now, he knows he probably can't live off this, but for year one, to get some depth along that offensive line, right. go get Van, go get Van Jefferson, a wide receiver, because Antonio Callaway is not going to be there. Brandon Powell is now gone. Tyree Cleveland is your only proven big-time, big-playmaker receiver down the field. Hey, now you have somebody else on the, that you can line up on the other side, help him out even more. Uh, stress and defenses, he, he's, he's finding ways to quickly find solutions to the biggest problems on the team right now. Yeah, Van Jefferson had 456 yards receiving this year, and that would have led the team. It would have led the team on the, on the Florida Gators this year. So uh, I think it's a great pickup. He was, he was a highly rated recruit coming out, like you said. 
I think he's got some good talent. I think he's got the potential to walk in and be a day one starter at Florida. That's tremendous. That is tremendous. So, right, what, what you ultimately need year in and year out is to, to make your money off of uh, high-rated recruits, you know, mostly. Mostly it's the four and five star guys that can give you three to four years production. Whereas Jefferson's going to give you one to two. He's got to file a waiver to play immediately. I know everybody thinks that he can waltz in and do that, but it's not certain. There are certain uh, exceptions to the rule that you normally have to set out a year when you transfer, but because of the probation, the NCAA is basically given indications that they're going to give a pretty lenient evaluation to the request for for appeal to, to gain immediate access to play. Uh, and my understanding is it might be a little tougher for Van Jefferson than Shea Patterson because he, I think, signed on before they had the troubles emerging or something like that. So I think it's maybe 50, 60% chance he gets it. Uh, but either way, a year and a half or a year removed from now, he's going to be helping out. So great pickup. Yeah, I think it was a great pickup by, uh, by Mullen. Yeah, well, and, and not all of your recruits are going to pan out, right? Some of them are going to run into trouble academically. Some of them are going to run into trouble um, just from a com competition standpoint. Some of them are going to have injuries, all that sort of stuff. And so the more shots, you know, the more highly rated recruits you have, the more shots you have at that guy who's going to be elite. And, uh, you know, so that's really what Mullen's doing. He just brought in a guy who's a top 150 recruit. So he's got somebody with a talent profile that, you know, that guy becomes an All-American much more often than a three-star. Um, and, and so you've got that extra shot. And so we'll see whether whether Van Jefferson turns out. The one thing I would say is that Mullen should know Jefferson, being that he was at Old Miss, and that I'm sure that Mullen recruited him when he was at Mississippi State. And so he's got to be familiar with him, understand what he's getting, and quite honestly had the game plan for him the last couple of years. And so really probably has a much closer look than, a, than you know, a traditional coach would who's not coming from Mississippi State. Yeah, and but before we move on to uh, comparisons to McIlwain and, and kind of looking um, even more ahead to the to the February signing day, uh, Bill has some nice stuff uh, there to look at. Uh, Bill, since you were at his uh, uh, ceremony as well, trading, I don't think we can skip over him. Uh, you were there. You got to you know talk to his family as well, and 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 you know, discuss with him about about picking Florida. And I don't think it can be overstated enough. Um, you know the, the new coach Charlton Warren. That was the new probably one of the defensive backs coach that Florida has. He'll either be overall DB coach or safety or quarterback coach. We'll see. There was instrumental. He coached at Tennessee, had Trey Dean committed to Tennessee, and now Dean uh, decommitted from Tennessee with the coaching changes and all that stuff, and now committed to Florida. Uh, but Bill, what was the uh, what was the line of thinking and the gist of things uh, around uh, his ceremony and after his announcement? Um. They were extremely happy, and, and Dean was—he uh, was kind of getting bombarded by a lot of people up there. But um, you know, he, he was definitely happy. The family was happy that they were decked out in Gator gear, uh, taking pictures. And his dad—I got a picture of the family, but then he was like, "All right, now don't take a picture of this next one." And he put like the big gator hat on that, like shaped like an alligator head. And they were out there and chomping in different directions and everything. So yeah, they're really happy, and they're and they're glad that he's staying in the region because they live just south of Atlanta, down I think in Lagrange. Area, um, or no, it was not in the Grace, but it's south of Atlanta, and um, so yeah, he, he's a kid that you know he's going to be starting out at corner. He's big and rangy, like a six-two, or excuse me, six-four, one-eighty guy. Um, they're all listed like six-two, but I'll tell you, I bet them they're taller than that. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a good thing. It is, man. I mean, he's he's looking for tall DBs, tall wide receivers, and. I mean, love it. They're going to be specimens, you know, but I think he can play just about anywhere in the secondary. I think he's going to be really good. Steve Wilfong, the, uh, I think he's the national recruiting director of 24 uh, seven sports um, said that he's really high on the guy and thinks he's just a ball player. To me, it's, this is your DBU guy. And that's what I do like about the size. As you mentioned, these guys are going to be able to come in safety, cornerback, maybe move into the box, help it. Like Will had mentioned uh, where, some guys that had struggled in the past, these guys are going to be able to play, you know, uh, multiple levels. 
uh, of this defense. And I don't want to sit here and, you know, compare him to Derwin James or whatever, and how FSU lined him up all over the field. But you can tell that they would like players to be able uh, – and, and they're getting the size of players that may be able to do similar things in the way FSU use him. So with the size that they're bringing in, guys who can play maybe some outside linebackers or, or, or help in the run game uh, if they're struggling there or, or defend the pass or play deep safety. They're getting guys that are very versatile and can play many of those roles. And I, I like what Dan Mullen also said uh, about their defense today uh, in the press conference and recruiting these type of players. He said, look, Todd Grantham's not necessarily stuck to a 3-4. They, they can play some 4-3 if they have to. If that's what's going to benefit the team and benefit the players, uh, they can move back and forth. So you know, we may not see as much 3-4 initially. I think they will eventually would like to get there. Uh, but with the way this team has been constructed the past few years, we may see a little more 4-3, maybe some more aggression out of it. But you know, they, they can probably, you know, with, with the players they're bringing in, go back and forth from some 3-4 for, from some into some 4-3. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's interesting that if you look at who's currently on Florida's roster, I mean, you look at C.J. Henderson and you look at Marco Wilson, you sort of think of those guys as maybe the point guards. And then you look at these guys as maybe being small forwards and power forwards. So, and, so and so if an offensive team has tall, rangy, wide receivers, well, now you've got a tall guy to put on him. And if, uh, and if the offensive team has – you know, sort of short, twitchy receivers, then you've got the guy to put on him too. So it really gives a flexibility in terms of matchups and being able to go out there and say, okay, Marco Wilson's not just going to sit on the on the right-hand side of the defense the entire game. We're going to move him with the with the matchup that's the, that's the most advantageous for us. Okay, we're not going to leave Amari Bernie being the deep safety the whole time. We're going to put him in the place where he's most likely to succeed. So really the ability to match up with what the offense is doing. And so, certainly on the other side, we already talked about, you know, how do you use the tight ends to do the same thing and make the opposing defense have the same, have the same issues. And so, you know, I, I think you can sort of see that, that the kind of um, flexibility that Mullen wants on offense, he's also starting to build on defense to be able to combat the things that he knows are going to be coming his way from some of his, from some of his high level opponents. Athleticism and flexibility were the two things Mom mentioned. So once again, we hear that. And I think you guys are probably out there listening, hearing, oh, they want to put this guy in here. They want to match this guy up here. They want to take it to the other team. The defense this year, I'm telling you right now, and really it might be a hallmark of Grantham's defense as long as he's there. They're going to give up some big plays. But what they're also going to do is they're going to make some big plays. Because the worst thing you can do when you have a defense that's outgunned and has no depth is sit back and – let the other offense dictate to you what's going to happen and pick you apart. You've got to impose your will on the other team. And it sounds like Mullen is interested in doing that on both sides of the ball. And thank God we have a UF coach that is actually interested in doing that again. <laughs> uh, well, talking about that, Bill, just extend on it. You, you've talked about how, hey, look, this is progress. We're seeing some progress under Dan Mullen that we didn't see under Jim McElwain. And, look, we'll give McElwain a little bit of credit. You know, some of these commits – uh, that Florida signed today. Uh, he initially brought in the, the class was getting better, but had the chance of falling apart because of the, as Bill said, sold a build a good bill of goods that didn't necessarily come to fruition uh, this year. But in year one, it already looks like progress. We've seen, we, we see a plan. We see a quarterback on the roster. Bill, what are some other things you've seen where we can sit here and say, this is some progress under Dan Mullen that we did not see under Jim McElwee? Well, as far as recruiting is concerned, I already mentioned the fact that they've nearly doubled, uh, the amount of blue chips in the class from McElwain's transition class. And again, I'm, I'm comparing the two first year classes because you have to, you can't, you can't compare the second year bump class where a guy has a full year of recruiting under his belt to the next guy's three weeks worth of recruiting. I mean, it's been three weeks and three days. And, and yes, he's got a couple of those guys that were recruited by McElwain, but he's also had to turn over quite a bit. He's got a brand new quarterback, you know, and, and that alone, if you really want to talk about upgrades, well, you know, Matt Corral was a guy from all the way in California. Uh, well, Jones is from Georgia. Uh, Corral was the 60th ranked quarterback. Jones is the 40th. You know, Corral was the seventh best quarterback. Jones is the sixth. So, you know, rankings wise, he's, he's an upgrade. He's also a guy that hasn't bounced around from school to school to school, been nothing but drama online, and had discipline problems. You know, his family was great rather than mouthing off about Florida online. So it starts at the top. But then you're getting back to the numbers a little bit and off my soapbox about that. <laughs> the class is currently sitting at a 53% blue chip percentage. And that means the, the total uh, portion of the class that is made up of four and five stars. Now, there are no five stars right now, but 53% of the class is comprised of four stars. When you go back to 2015 
and that was 24%. So they doubled the proportion of the class so far at this midway point now. I want to caution you guys. I'm not trying to be a sunshine bumper. There's work to be done. He's got to finish. But it looks better on paper. Also, that 2015 class, 10th in the SEC, right now they're fourth. Nationally, with 21st, it's currently 14th. You know, so there is definite – and it's almost too easy because that was so horrible in 2015. But what we're seeing now from Mullen is a chance to keep pace with Zook, keep pace with Meyer, keep pace with Muschamp. Obviously, only one of those three guys succeeded. But you've at least got to recruit the Florida standards. And so far, it appears he has a chance to do that. Now, the next six weeks are going to tell the final tale. Well, and I think you can see what it could have looked like if you just look up in Tallahassee, right? I mean, they're, they've got eight recruits right now who are on the board. They've had a lot of people who've left since Jimbo Fisher left the program. Um, certainly had, you know, a similar type of down year to what Florida had. Um, and Willie Taggart's come in and just quite honestly did not have the same type of success that Mullen did in this first instance. Now, it's just one win. It's just one one example where Mullen outperformed Taggart, but I think the track records look promising in terms of Mullen being able to take advantage of that. And if Florida can start imposing its will on Florida State, then you're going to see even better results moving forward. So, um, you know, and you look back at McIlwain, and, and, and this, I think, is where Mullen's really going to have the test. Because if you look back at McIlwain, he had two moments like this. I mean, he had the Ole Miss win, and then he had the corral signing and all the momentum that came from that and all the guys jumping into the pool. And... At no point was that ever sustained over over any over any length of time, and so if Mullen can sustain this into February, can sustain it into next year, well, all of a sudden you've got you've got a class that could be you know next year's class is just going to build from that. But if he can't sustain it, if they if they limp to the finish in February, if they limp into the season and go six and six or something like that, then next year's going to be a lot harder. So um, you know this is just one step along the way. It's the process, like 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 Bill and I are always talking about. But you look at what you look at what happened today, and you can't say anything. You don't you can't have anything but good things to say about it. Matt, or, you know Mullen kept the guys he wanted from McElwain's class, and he replaced the guys he didn't want with guys who conceivably could be better. Absolutely. And Will, uh, I'm going to, we've heard my spill enough about it. We've heard Bill's spill enough about it, but on your, on your debut of your website, readreaction.com, you have put up the article, the real meaning behind stars matter. And we've had this discussion many a time. We've had multiple, multiple, I've lost count of how many conversations Bill and I uh, and you've joined in lately uh, of the Stars Matter conversation we have on Twitter and, uh, and on message boards. Uh, but you know, you 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 thrown together, well, not thrown together. You did you know nice work. You put some nice work together in in, in the Stars Matter and and backing up that motto. And let's you know that basically goes back to some of Bill's stats that he just threw out there about the blue chip percentage. You it, it's proven, guys. You win more with five stars and four stars than you do with four stars and three stars. It's, it's, it's just there. It's proven. Uh, but will you had some nice stats and even more stats to help back that up? Yeah. I mean, I guess there's two things there. One is that recruiting is the foundation for everything that you do. So it's not, it's not that you can recruit and you don't have to coach right. all the coaching things and all the development things and all that stuff is important. And in fact, you can see that if you look at the stats, because Georgia has been one of the best recruiting, one of the best recruiting programs in the country well before Kirby smart came in there. But you look back at what was happening and none of those guys that they were bringing in, none of those elite recruits were turning into all Americans, first team, all Americans. And if you look at Alabama, those guys are all turning into first team all Americans. It seems like, and if you look at it, really what it boils down to is a, is a matter of percentages, right? So basically, you know, if you look at the Heisman Trophy, if you look at first team All-Americans, any of that sort of stuff, five stars dominate. They end up about 20% of the time, if you're a five star, you're going to achieve that goal. Whereas it's like 0.4% of the time that you achieve that goal if you're a three star. So there's just a huge disparity. And I know Bill talked about this on a previous show about the NFL draft, but it's the same thing for the Heisman. It's the same thing for the All-American. And yes, Baker Mayfield just won the Heisman Trophy and he was a three-star recruit. But really saying stars doesn't matter devalues what he did because 
the odds of him winning a Heisman Trophy and Lamar Jackson winning a Heisman Trophy the year before is like one in four million for both of those guys to win back to back based on based on the statistics I've looked at. So, you know, recruiting is it doesn't guarantee wins, but it's a foundation. And that's really what Mullen's done today is he's built the foundation for this program moving forward. And if he can continue to build the program, build the foundation for the program in February, you can really be excited about where it's going. Maybe we can also run the odds on uh, Big 12 defender using both arms to tackle. <laughs> 0.1. I think they call a flag for that out there. <laughs> Don't you hurt him. <laughs> well, they're, 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 trying to, they're trying to get college football changed to flag football two-hand touch, right? Yeah, I think so, man. <laughs> but, Bill, I mean, just, you know, we, we've, we've had this conversation before. You don't have to expound on it. But it just, you know – We'll lay it out nicely uh, on the readandreaction.com. Guys, go there, brand new site, subscribe there. Uh, You'll find Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Will's articles. We'll do some more work. Uh, We'll put it up there as well. Uh, But, Bill, stars matter. Yeah, they do. And and, and I can't wait to read Will's article on that. I'll be heading over to Read and Reaction myself tonight after the show. But, uh, listen, and that's why we're excited today is they got the quarterback – Mullen did that is a as a blue chip recruit. He's rated ninety seven. That's a, a high four star grade, and uh, that's you know why you can be excited when these things happen. Trey Dean as well is a top two fifty recruit nationally, and, and no, we're not going to see all four and five star recruits, and you're never going to see all of them in your class. But we're starting to see the ratios that have led to success in the past. Um, there was a stat I had here. Let's see. The average 24-7 composite rating of UF's commits currently stands at a .9011. That's a, over the threshold to be a four-star on average. Uh, and crossing that threshold of .90 has been very good to UF in the past. Um, as the lowest their ranking has ever been in a, as far as a recruiting class with that average was in 2011, another transition class, was much stamped first year. And he only had 19 players, but they still finished at 11th nationally. And that tells us that uh, we're signing the right caliber of players and that they could be headed for a very good class ranking this year. But it absolutely does matter. These are the things we need to see happen if they're going to start building and moving forward successfully. Absolutely. And you talk about building forward, Bill. Uh, anything else? You know, uh, we talked uh, behind the scenes and stuff of, you know, what to look for uh, as February approaches and uh, in, in comparison of – you know, past Florida classes under McElwain, Muschamp, uh, and, and the like, and what Mullen needs to do uh, to make sure he doesn't fall into that trap. Well, right now, and this is kind of – I'm betraying the point a little bit, but we need to see some balance. We need to see some some defenders come in, but we need to see those defenders be, you know, quality ranking. Uh, you need, They've got a really – good chance to have a special offensive class, but we need to see some of those blue chippers come in on the defensive line in the front seven at the outside linebacker, maybe inside linebacker position. Um, Beyond that, uh, one thing I'm intrigued by is that right now 47%, less than half of UF's current commits are from the state of Florida. And that's down from 74% in last year's class in 2017. And while at first you might think, well, wait a minute, Florida has great talent. Um, is that a problem? It actually statistically is not when you look at history uh, at Florida. Um, UF's classes that have finished in the top three in the SEC all the way back to 2002 have ranged between um, 45% and 69% being made up of state of Florida kids. And again, right now it's 47%. Um, there was the only times that we've seen recently where that went over 70%. That was three times once from Muschamp, twice from McElwain, and none of those finished better than fifth in the SEC. So typically, you want in that 45 to 69%. They are on the low end of that, but that's in the range that they've had some good success. So, watch that going forward. Yes, we need to see Mullen take some ground in the state. Yes, right now, Miami, Florida State. They have traditionally kind of been dominant since McElwain's been in there, and and some of that ground has to be taken. But let's not get too worked up if we don't see all those Florida kids jumping on board because it is proven by history that you can kind of recruit regionally and even nationally and still get what you need to win. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, that's that's really interesting because of how hard Florida hit South Florida last year and uh, the coaches that Jim McElwain hired was – it really looked like was to hit that South Florida area. But, you know, Mullen comes in with guys who – 
you know, Gonzalez and Hebsey, who recruited the state of Florida under Urban Meyer. Uh, but, you know, the, the latest coach has a background in, in, in the state of Georgia. So maybe they're trying to hit the state of Georgia uh, just a, a little heavier than than, than uh, Matt McElwain did. But it is interesting what, what Bill just pointed out there of, you know, the transition from McElwain's class last year and so heavy on South Florida to what we're seeing so far this year under Mullen. Well, yeah, you, can, you can't just you can't just give Georgia to Kirby. Over <laughs> to Kirby, it's game over. So he's, he's doing a good job of taking it, though. Well, and so out of what well, is, but out of all of those things that that you know, I think Mullen brings to the table. The fact that he went and talked to Justin Fields day one is still the thing that I think resonates with me the most. That he wasn't afraid of losing a recruit. He went out and said, "I'm going to do what's best for the program." And so again, I think you look at it and you say, "Florida's Florida's done a pretty good job in South Florida the last few years, but they haven't done a real good job anywhere else." And so looking looking around the state is a place where McElwain really has to reestablish some of those relationships that were maybe there before. Um, there are a couple of things I'd look at. One is that Florida's ranked 14th right now in the 24/7 composite, and Auburn's 10th. And Auburn has five more. Rec- recruits right now so they got 20 to Florida's 15 so you know Bill I know you're always talking about that top three in the in the SEC being sort of the high watermark that you need to get to on a consistent basis and so if Florida can creep up on Auburn and get up in front of them then they can meet that metric this year in year one which would be really impressive in the uh, you know in, in a transition class like this the other thing I'm going to be interested to see is you know the early signing period really I think gives Mullen an opportunity to also go out and and sell this win to guys in next year's class and so I'm going to be really interested to see what he does with the guys in the 2019 class and how hard they start going after people there and getting people on board and building that up too Um, obviously that was that was one of the things that people pointed to with McIlwain that that 2019 class was starting to come together and that was one of the reasons some of the apologists gave for keeping him on so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is really an opportunity, I think, to go out and sort of bow your chest out at those guys who are coming in and really tell people this is what we're building and get them on board and get them thinking about being a Gator because it's only positive news for the next two weeks or next two months because there's no bowl game. There's nothing like that. You just go out there and recruit. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that about the 2019 class everybody was worried about. And they were. I think a lot of them were worried about the 2018 class. And I think that's proving to be – somewhat unfounded because they're not too far off from where the potential was for that. They were never going to be in the top five. And realistically that class is going to fall out of the top 10 anyway, because of the the futility on the field. Um, But as far as the 2019 class, this is one of the things I was telling people before they fired McElwain is look, that sets up perfectly for Mullins bump class. And people might hear me keep saying this term bump class. It's been observed historically that coaches, when they come in, their first class, they struggle because like Mullen, you got three weeks and three days to get to early signing day now. But even if you didn't, you've only got like two months rather than build relationships over a couple of years with these kids. But the second class is when you've got a full year under your belt. And not only that, you haven't had time to fail yet. And even if you fail in that first season, the, the message and the vision that you're selling to these recruits, you can say, oh, well, I know we're six and six this year but that's because I don't have my guys in place. Once my guys get in place and we get the system implemented properly next year, it's going to be awesome. And it's plausible. It's a plausible sales pitch. But if you get to year three and four, like McIlwain was, and you're saying, I can win with my dog at quarterback. And they're like, well, it looks like you got him in there. You know, it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't sell anymore. So the bump class has traditionally been when these coaches make their money on the recruiting trail and have these high, high ranked classes. So this is perfect. 2019 is primed to be big. Yes, some of them have decommitted for now, but just wait. This should be big for, for Mullen. Well, and I know we've talked about this already, but the idea that – so Mullen took over Mississippi State, and they were ranked 116th on offense for points per game, and they went to 76th in 2009 once Mullen took over. So there, there's a track record of him being able to show improvement and and point to that and say you're the guy who's going to put us over the top rather than continuously pointing at the 105th ranked offense in the country and the play action on third and long and saying this is going to be this is my vision for going forward you're the person who's going to pull us over the top so um <laughs> you're going to be the one throwing balls into the dirt next year <laughs> and we're going to recruit running quarterbacks <laughs> i mean there's a lot wrong with that entire picture but um you know, I guess 
to me, it's it's how do you cast the vision? How do you cast the vision? How do you cast the vision? And really, I think we're going to see that vision be cast for the 2019 class. 2018 class is sort of limited in terms of who's out there. I mean, just because your relationships are limited and that sort of stuff. And certainly you're going to go after guys who fit your system and you're going to go aggressively after the people you think fit your program. But next year you've got a clean slate and you can go out and he can sort of set his agenda based on what he sees as the needs and what he thinks is important. And if we're looking at, um, you know, if we're looking at athleticism and we're looking at, uh, at um, you know, the ability to adapt, then those are the guys we're going to see. And, and certainly the stamp will be there in 2019. Guys, it was a fun day. Yes, oh, man, was was it? Hey, can uh, we do some shout outs real quick before we go? Yep, that's exactly where I was going next. Uh, uh, I'll start with a, a very happy birthday to, to Lucas Mann. Uh, he's always on the YouTube chat, so he may be there now. I'll be able to, to keep an eye there, but he follows us on Twitter uh, a good bit. We'll make sure we give him a shout out there. He let us know it was his birthday. Uh, but, Bill, you, you, got to, you got to hang out with some Gator fans today um, at the announcements, so I'm sure you got a few more shout outs you'd like to give out there. Yeah, I do. First of all, one before that is one I meant to go give a couple weeks ago, and I promised him I wouldn't. I didn't. Is Keon Darkshani. Uh, he's a guy that always interacts with us on Twitter and listens and supports, man. And we really appreciate you, all our listeners. So sorry I forgot about your shout-out last time, but, man, thank you for listening. Uh, and the guys that showed up today, uh, there were several of them. There was Chase, uh, Dustin, Joseph, Casey, and a few other guys uh, from Twitter and from the Gator Bait forums uh, that we post on. Also, Gator Critic Josh uh, from Twitter showed up. And uh, we had a good time, man. We drank some a couple beers and, and we ate some burgers and watched the Gators add to their roster. And we taunted the dogs a little bit. And uh, it was good stuff. So, guys, thank you all. And actually, thank you to all our listeners who continue to support us. Absolutely, absolutely. It goes, uh, yeah, Christmas time, happy holidays coming up. So, everybody out there, uh, be safe. Have, have uh, you know, some fun with your family coming up. Uh, I know we, uh, we, we will. Uh, Bill, you going to get to come down to Florida and see your family? Uh, after Christmas, yeah. After Christmas. Work. But, and I, I'm hoping that that will be the last visit and then right. I'll finally be moved down here shortly. So, and I, I think a few weeks from now, hopefully. Absolutely. And we'll got to, we'll mention it one more time. We'll got to take the bow off of readingreaction.com. So, uh, great, uh, great Christmas present there for, for everybody. Hey, yeah, and I'm staying up in Philly this year, so we're hoping for a white Christmas. I haven't had one. It was like 70 degrees last time I was here for Christmas, so so we're hoping for, we're hoping for some snow to go out and play, and and certainly, uh, you know, things aren't going to slow down. There's plenty of stuff to write about, both Florida and with the playoff coming up. Absolutely, absolutely, sir. Everybody out there, really, thank you so much. Uh, hey, look, this is first signing day, early signing day. Hey, it was new for us, too. Uh, it, it was kind of weird to wake it up this morning and say, hey, guys, we have a we have a signing day in December. Uh, but I actually woke up, and I was ready for it. Maybe it was because of the whole Emory Jones situation and all that. But I know some people said, oh, it just feels odd. It feels weird. It doesn't feel like signing day. I woke up, it felt like signing day to me. Yeah, it was fun, man. I would I would go back to that uh, Georgia party in a heartbeat. Now, I'd probably not if they didn't have some Florida prospects, but they that was first class. Good deal. Good deal. It was a win, man. It was a win. That's all. That's it's fantastic to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Get, get an issue. Yeah, get an issue. We're happy, as you if if you can't tell, uh, it's a, a far cry from what it was two months ago, uh, and we let we have some leadership. We have a plan now. Uh, for Gator Nation. So, uh, guys, anything else? Because uh, I'm not sure we'll do a show next week or not. I got some time off that I'll probably spend with the family or whatever. But who knows? I may get a while here and, and decide to do one. But uh, we'll see. So so stay tuned if we're, if, if, if we're doing the show next week or not. Uh, just everybody have a Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for supporting us this year. And we look forward to interacting with each and every one of you this, this upcoming season. Yeah, times two. I, I can't thank you guys enough. All right, so for Bill, you can find Bill on Twitter at RealBSykes, Will Miles on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to Gators Breakdown.